welcome to the Eric Erickson Show podcast, Hour One. Hello, America. It is Eric Erickson here from Atlanta, Georgia, where the weather is glorious today. I hope it's great where you are. The phone number is 877-973-7425, should you wish to be on this year's program. Always happy to have you. Well, I have to tell you, uh, there's, there's something that always happens when you're in this line of work. Uh, you have to, over time, and, and really Rush Limbaugh talked about this a lot. Uh, he and I had several private conversations about this. You, you have to stop caring what other people think, particularly when you know you're doing a good job. Because one of the inevitable things that happens is you develop a, a near marriage-like relationship with members of your audience who know every detail of your life and like your spouse, like your wife, they want to tell you when you're wrong, even when you're not. And in your real marriage, you get to say, yes, dear, even when you're right, but your spouse thinks you're wrong, you say, yes, dear. And let's be honest here. I'm talking about men. When your wife says you're wrong, yes, dear. I saw some uh, stand-up comedian he was doing a, a PowerPoint presentation, and he says, when I'm wrong and my wife is right, the response is my mistake. When I'm wrong and my wife is wrong, the response is my mistake. When I'm right and my wife is right, the response is, yes, dear, you're right. And when I'm right and my wife is wrong, the response is, I'm sorry, dear. <laughs> you're right. <laughs> Even when the wife is wrong. Yeah, I look, I've learned. Listen, it's taken 22 years of marriage for me to figure this out. Your wife is always right. But when you're married to your audience, oftentimes what happens is certain aggrieved members of your audience insist you are wrong about something and they're right. More often than not, they are wrong. You are right. And you, you, you just got to let it go. You can't care about it. The number of times people tell me, well, you are wrong about this thing 10 years ago on the radio. I'm not going to believe you now. You just, you got to tune it out. It'll get to you. you. You have to tune it out. When you know you're right, be right. Who cares what the angry mob listening on radio thinks? And I'm going to savor this moment. Sometimes it is, particularly in the last several years, it's been Trump supporters. I didn't think he would win in 2016. Every time I say something now, they just agree, well, you were wrong in 2016. Yep, I was. Been pretty right ever since. Lately, I have progressive listeners who hate listen. And they've been pretty giddy because they've been convinced I was wrong. I told you guys the polling would rebound for the GOP. I said it's going to come back. This is the cycle whenever Republicans are ahead, with the exception of 2010. 2010 is one of the rare times in modern American polling where Republicans stayed ahead the entire way through. They were never below the Democrats on the generic ballot. In 2002 and in 2004 and in 2014 and in 2016 and in 2022 and in 2020, when I had in the presidential year, the Republicans have been uh, bouncing back and forth beneath and above the Democrats. It's a normal cycle. 2014 and 2002 very much mirror the cycle where the Republicans towards the middle of August, middle of September got below and then they kind of bounce back up 
and they won. It wasn't the 2010 historic wave, but it's still pretty big. Well, as I've been telling my Democratic friends who have been laughing at me, telling me how wrong I was, it's happening again. I need to spend a few moments with you in Georgia. Now, standard caveat here, sometimes my audiences in other states say, well, you only spend so much time in Georgia because you live there. I'm not listening to Georgia. No, no, no. Georgia is the heart of the political universe right now. It has become where Florida is no longer a swing state. Georgia has become the swingiest state, except it's not swinging, except all the way to the fences for the GOP. The Atlanta Journal-Constitution's poll is out. It's the poll people pay attention to because it's a local group polling locally. It's not Quinnipiac coming in from Yankee land to try to survey Georgians. No, no, it's local. The poll of likely voters released Tuesday shows the U.S. Senate race deadlocked between Raphael Warnock, who had 44%, and Herschel Walker, who, what? What? Herschel Walker, he's, 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 he's ahead by two points. He's at 46 3% for the Libertarian, Chase Oliver, 7% undecided. Now, those 7% could go to Warnock. Those Libertarians could come home and avoid a runoff and just get this over with. It's a close race. It's the only bright spot in the polling, and Warnock is still behind. In all the other races? Well, let's just say um, Brian Kemp, if he was running against a man, people would not be upset when I say he's curb stomping Stacey Abrams. But because she's a woman, they'll be upset and call it misogynist, sexist, or hateful. But he's curb stomping Stacey Abrams. My gosh, 50% in the AJC poll, 42% for Stacey Abrams. Shane Hazel, the perennial candidate who runs as Libertarian every year, every couple of years, he is at 1%, even taking into account the margin of error. Stacey Abrams is losing. Brian Kemp is outside the margin of error. Stacey Abrams is not winning. Now, here's what's notable. As I mentioned yesterday, four years ago at this time, the polling was split 50-50. Who was ahead, Kemp or Abrams? There hasn't been a poll this political cycle that's had Abrams ahead. Here's the other thing from the New York Times. Historically in Georgia, Democrats... They possess a two-point polling bias in their favor. If you look at the polling from 2016, 2018, 2020, and you apply it to 2022, you have to add two more points to the Republican side. If that's the case, Brian Kemp in the AJC poll is at 52%. Herschel Walker is at 48%. There could be a runoff. There could be a runoff. It depends on if the libertarians really are insane or they come home to Walker and avoid having Warnock go back to Washington to raise their taxes. And the undecided people. But wait, it gets better. Nationally, Democrats have seized on Burt Jones. Burt Jones is running for Lieutenant Governor of Georgia. Now, you should know, wherever you are in the nation, unlike places like Florida, New Jersey, and others, 
The governor and lieutenant governor of Georgia are separate constitutional offices. They don't run as a ticket. In Florida, the governor and the gubernatorial candidate, they pick a running mate to serve as their lieutenant governor. It's not the case in Georgia. They're separate constitutional offices. They run independent of each other. They have their own primaries. And the Democrats were salivating about Burt Jones. They love that Burt Jones is the Republican nominee because Burt Jones was one of the Republicans who questioned the election. Burt Jones not only questioned the election, he's one of those people who appeared to serve as a alternate elector that has been investigated. The Democrats were sure they could mount a case against Burt Jones. The Democrats, too, are running a serial candidate Someone who always runs, running against Burt Jones this time. Stacey Abrams blessed it. They were convinced this person could beat Burt Jones. It's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. Burt Jones is crushing the Democrats' candidate. The Democrats put their own abortion Barbie up against Chris Carr. Chris Carr is the attorney general in Georgia. He's one of the people who defied President Trump. President Trump found somebody to run against uh, Chris Carr, a pretty pathetic candidate, actually, ran against Chris Carr. The guy had to get his law license back to be able to run against Chris Carr, Uh, didn't put as much money in as he said he was going to put in, and got trounced by Chris Carr, even though Donald Trump came in and campaigned against Chris Carr. And the Democrats put up against him Jen Jordan. Jen Jordan is Georgia's own abortion Barbie. She actually said if she were a tyranny general, she would not enforce any law she disagreed with, including the abortion laws, including the fetal heartbeat ban. She wouldn't do it. She made it her case. She's a media darling. The media loves her. She's from South Georgia, got rich in Buckhead in Atlanta, pretends she's stale from South Georgia. Abortion Barbie of Georgia going down to defeat in the polling. Stacey Abrams, you know, the Democrats privately wanted that woman to run against Brian Kemp. They wanted her to be the gubernatorial nominee, but no, no, no. Stacey Abrams had to have a second chance, had to have a second bite of the apple. They're all losing. Abrams dragging down the whole ticket. Brian Kemp is lifting the whole Republican ticket. Abrams is dragging down the whole Democratic ticket. The Labor Commissioner for the Democrats, toast. The Agriculture Commissioner for the Democrats, toast. The Secretary of State, oh, the Secretary of State has no chance. B. Wynn, B. Wynn is her name. B. Wynn thought she could win, no pun intended, because Jody Heiss was going to be the Republican nominee and she'd make it all about election denialism and claiming that Jody Heiss was out to overthrow the election or some such. Heiss didn't make it through the primary. Raffensperger's back on the ballot, totally scuttled everything the Democrats wanted to run on. The Democrats in Georgia wanted to make the entire election about election integrity and defense of democracy, and they can't. They're having to make it about all the dumb things Stacey Abrams has said over the past four years, and none of them can defend it. They're having to make it about Raphael Warnock's record. Raphael Warnock, he loves puppies. Oh, I love my puppies. I love my neighbor's dog, even though I tried to run over my wife. I love the dog. Instead, I love Jesus, except not the one in the Bible, the one I made up, and I love puppies. That's Raphael Warnock here. 
Raphael Warnock, I don't know which God Raphael Warnock worships, but it ain't the God of the Bible. Worships the God of self. And he goes to Washington, D.C., and he's got that senatorial tone of a minister of the Word of God. And he says, you shall take care of the poor, the Bible says. You shall take care of the poor. And you shall take care of the poor by raising your taxes and bailing out student loans and taking care of climate change. Don't you bring those illegal immigrants to Georgia, though, Mr. President. No, no, no. That would hurt me in my election. I do declare... As a minister of the word of some god somewhere, you shall vote for me. Except the voters of Georgia aren't buying the shtick. He's losing. And with him goes the Senate. Mitch McConnell, the Senate minority leader, drew scorn from Republicans a few months ago by telling a private group of donors... He wasn't sure the GOP could take the Senate. Donald Trump supporters came after him, insulting Trump-backed candidates around the nation. And what did McConnell do? He started pouring money into all these races. In mid-August, he downplayed winning the Senate. Behind closed doors, Mitch McConnell is now saying the Republicans could take the Senate. Because Herschel Walker is building momentum in Georgia. Adam Laxalt is ahead in Nevada. And Dr. Oz, he and Blake Masters are the two worst Republican candidates this year. They've taken races where the Democrats were ahead by double digits. And they're now below five points, trending towards the Republicans on the issues of crime and immigration and the economy. And all the Democrats have less to talk about anywhere in the nation is abortion. And, you know, I was wrong. I was wrong. I I, I didn't think abortion would fire up as many people as it clearly had. But I said at the time, I thought it would now take D plus 10 seats and they'd be D plus five seats and the Democrats could hold on to them. And I think I'm right about that. But I also said at the time, that it wouldn't change the outcome for the D plus five seat. The D plus five seat, the D plus three seat, the D plus one seat, the Democrats are going to lose. It's starting to dawn on the Democrats. They've spent their entire midterm election strategy talking about killing babies and saving democracy. And most Americans are looking at the Democrats and thinking, by God, you people have killed my 401k and my kids' education. Why would I return you to power? Turns out the Republican message is winning. Hello there. It is Eric Erickson here. Glad to have you with me. The phone number, should you wish to be a part of this here program, I guess I should go into the call screening program. Hmm? The phone number is 877-973-7425. It, I, I, I say this somewhat facetiously, but the actual data is there. Democrats have had to come up with an alternate message for this campaign season. It, that's just the truth. Because the economy is so bad, crime is not good, they've had to come up with something else. And so they've decided to fight on killing kids and saving democracy. 
And it turns out Americans are more worried about Democrats killing their 401k than they are about Republicans not letting them kill kids. And they're more worried about getting killed in a crime spree than about saving democracy as Democrats define it, which really isn't about saving democracy. It's about saving the Democrats. The Democrats can stream authoritarianism all they want, but it's Democratic teachers, progressive teachers in schools who are trying to indoctrinate kids about sex and critical race theory. Those cultural issues that Democrats have been dismissive of, the American people are not dismissive of those issues. They matter to Americans. And ultimately, what matters most is the economy. This is the conversation on CNN. So, I'm, listen, I think we can all agree that we'd like to be optimistic with the economy, but then there's the reality about what's happening with the economy. We've got inflation sitting at 40-year highs. Um, you know, we're paying more for just about everything. I mean, you look at one piece of evidence from the New York Fed that says that credit card balances have actually grown by $100 billion since last year. So consumers are scraping by, and that's a reality. And then you've got the Fed raising interest rates with the Federal Reserve Chair himself saying uh, it's going to cause some pain to households and businesses. Those are his words. So analysts, Victor, are finding it really difficult to see how the Fed is actually going to navigate this so-called soft landing, meaning avoiding a recession, knowing that when the Fed raises rates, it's actually engineering um, a possible recession because, you know, you look at the economy, it's already showing signs of slow. It is. And the Federal Reserve knows this and they don't think there's a way to stop it. They don't want to say that publicly. But you had Jerome Powell say that uh, families will be hit hard, but though hit hard, it will spare them being hit harder later if they do this now. This is all the environment into which the midterms occur. What I find notable and amazing are the number of people in the media from Chuck Todd at Meet the Press to even some of the pollsters who were interviewed on Fox. They've said for the last several months, well, this could be a completely different election, in large part because of the Dobbs decision, but not just that, because of Trump and other things, that, that this, this, could be a, this, this could be a thing. This, this could be big. This, this could be a big change. The rules may not apply. The old rules may not apply, Chuck Todd said a few weeks ago on Meet the Press. And I said at the time, no, I, 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 I keep hearing this every cycle that the old rules don't apply. I think the old rules apply just fine. The party that controls the White House tends not to do well in the midterms, particularly after a massive blowout in Virginia. And all of that bore out. And I think we're headed into a midterm election where, just like every pattern, the Republicans, they're not going to get a massive wave, but they're going to win, and that's all that matters. Hi there. Welcome. It is Eric Erickson here across the nation from my flagship station, WSB in Atlanta, Georgia. I'm actually in the studio with Jim today. I've got a charity dinner this evening. I'm taking some folks to dinner who gave some money to the Children's Hospital uh, here in Atlanta. The phone number, if you want to be on the program, 877-973-7425. I want to go to the phones I am going to go, let's see here. Bill, you're going to be up next. Welcome to the show, Bill. How are you? Good. Welcome. Thank you. Sure. What's going on, Bill? Well, I'm a mailman down in Florida, and we are getting inundated with postcards from Boston, New York, 
Pennsylvania, Connecticut, California, Texas, about voting by mail. Mm -hmm. And they're saying vote by mail, vote by mail, vote by mail. I'm just hoping that somebody straightened out this vote by mail fiasco from the last couple elections. Well, look, I, I think in Florida, Georgia, and a few other states, they have. Um, in Georgia, it's actually a little more difficult to vote by mail because you've got to be able to provide proof of your driver's license, ID number, and things like that. Florida did not have as much of a problem, but this is, you know, a, a weird role reversal, Bill. When I was coming up in politics as a political campaign manager and campaign consultant, Republicans voted by mail more than Democrats. Democrats over the last number of years have convinced black voters in particular that their vote will be suppressed if they go on Election Day because you have to show ID, even though overwhelmingly black voters have photo ID. Democrats believe this mythology, so they've convinced voters to vote by mail. And so the roles have shifted over the last really eight years now. Republicans are more likely to vote day of. Democrats more likely to vote early by mail. Uh, Florida actually is one of the few states of the nation, God bless them, they process the early votes before Election Day. So on Election Day, you're not waiting until 5 a.m. the next day or later for Florida's votes to come in. They've got them processed. And they didn't have problems. Remember, Trump won Florida. Uh, Georgia has revised its absentee voting process. And you've had a surge in absentee voting. It's not hard per se. You just have to be able to sh- uh, scan, send a photocopy of your driver's license to be able to get your absentee ballot now. And that makes it difficult for some people, but not enough. You're still having record-breaking numbers of absentee ballots, but it's easier now to sort through them and to discard other ballots. I don't think it's going to matter. Now, of course, you know, to some degree, the stolen election people are going to have to engage in some apologetics. If Nevada goes Republican and Georgia goes Republican, where Donald Trump said both of them were stolen in 2020, we're going to have to assess from the apologetics, how is it that it could be stolen in 2020 from Trump, but not in 2022 when the Democrats are making it all an existential crisis that uh, the GOP is a threat to democracy, we have to keep them out of power? How is it then that they could not steal the election in 2022? Or is it only that the election can be stolen from Donald Trump? And if that's the case, why do you want to put him up in 2024? We'll get into that. We'll see what happens. Uh, All I'm telling you is I've been telling you the polls would shift back to the GOP. I've been telling you not to believe those earlier polls, that that always happens. It's a seasonal, recognizable, cyclical cycle. And that's the way it works. There's new polling, by the way, out of Wisconsin. This is Emerson's polling. The Emerson poll has Ron Johnson now ahead with likely voters. Interestingly enough, he's winning 13% of Democrats. Mandela Barnes, the progressive Democrat up there, is only winning 5% of Republicans. It has everything to do with uh, liberal Republicans rejecting Ron Johnson, moderate Democrats rejecting, rejecting Mandela Barnes, who's run on defund the police efforts and getting people out of jail uh, we'll get into him later. There's some funny stories about him, but Ron Johnson, independents are split 50-50 and Ron Johnson's winning. This is now the second poll of likely voters in Wisconsin that puts him safe in Pennsylvania. Oz is surging in Arizona. Masters is surging. Kerry Lake is already in the lead 
in Arizona. In fact, the Democrat in Arizona is refusing to debate Carrie Lake, who just continues to sharpen her message on the campaign trail. Listen to this from Carrie Lake on the campaign trail out in Arizona. Believe in keeping our taxes as low as possible. When you keep business taxes low, that means that the business can then take the money they're making and invest it back in the business. When you keep personal taxes low, you can take that money and spend it on the things you need for your family. Right off the bat, we're going to do everything we can to lower the sales tax, lower the food tax, and I really want to get rid of the rental tax. Oh, get rid of the rental tax for renters. That, that's Carrie Lake in, in Arizona. That message that's resonating, she's now ahead in all the polls in Arizona. You will notice the media has started ignoring Carrie Lake. They made it a big deal in the primary, and now they've just completely started ignoring her because she's taken the lead. Arizona seems to be moving back to the Republicans. Now, back to the phones we go. Richard, you're going to be up next. Welcome to the show. Richard, how are you? Hi, Eric. How are you doing today? Great. What's going on? Well, I was accidentally turned on uh, MSNBC last night. When oh, I I'm sorry. Channels. Yeah, I know. It, it hurt for a while. I, I, but, listen, listen. Uh, in, in all seriousness, Richard, I, you, you may need to go get an MRI, get your brain checked after watching that channel. <laughs> well... What I, I was listening to Lawrence Donnell and his guests, and they were complaining about the unfairness of the Senate only having two senators per state. <laughs> yes. And, and, and what I thought was, man, that is ignorant that they don't even know why that exists. And But as I was driving today, I, I began to think about that again. I think there's probably a lot of Americans that don't know why that we only have two senators, yet the House of Representatives is by population. You know, it's funny you say that. Uh, Georgia's former Senator Saxby Chambliss, uh, let me see if I can find this. He's, I think it's in the Atlanta Journal-Constitution, or, yeah, I saw this. Uh, yes, Saxby Chambliss uh wants to uh, pass a, a legislation the civic secures democracy act it's authored by john cornyn and chris coons bipartisan bill it would authorize a billion dollars annually over the next five years to support k-12 civics and u.s history education so students across the country are taught the principles the republic was founded on now of course the left would probably hijack this thing uh, more likely than not hijack it. But, but I do think civics education is good. Okay, so let, let me let me break this down for you. I, this one's actually personal to me. I, In all seriousness, th- this is a true story. I'm, I, this, I am not making this up. You know, I grew up in Dubai. I did not grow up in the United States. We would come home during the summer, but uh, my education was in Dubai. It was a very good education. If you want perspective on my education, my eighth grade biology book was the same book I used in college. Yes. It was a very good education. And our U.S. history class in eighth grade was a combined American civics and history class. We had to memorize the Constitution. I mean, really, to the point where if they said, "What? What's the? Uh, where's the taxing provision?" I mean, you had to be able to say Article One, Section Eight, Clause, whatever it is. Now I've forgotten the clause, but I know it's Article One, Section Eight. Had to had to memorize these things. 
I mean, we had to go over each article of the Constitution, why it was there, the history of it. It's the very first time I ever heard someone say, you know, we, oh, we have separate but equal, three separate but equal branches. And, and my, my history uh, teacher, Mr. Lake, turns out he was in the CIA. Um, this is another story. But Mr. Lake was very adamant. No, no. Congress is the first branch because it's the preeminent branch. It's, these are not uh, co-equal branches of government. There's a separation of powers, but the founders put the important parts in order. Congress first, the people first. We need to get back to that as a country. I learned that in Dubai. So I came home, and this is the, the very true story. I came home and my parents started me out at a private school in rural Mississippi. Turns out it was one of those schools that came about it because of uh, segregation. Uh, I had no idea until I got attacked a couple of months ago on Twitter for going to a segregation of school. I had no idea. I was there for like four months. The Gulf War broke out. Gas prices got to the ridiculously high price of $1.25 a gallon. My parents decided I needed to go to public school in Louisiana. So I went to public school in Louisiana. My very first day in my English class in 10th grade, I'm in Linda Priest's English class, and we're working on words, and there's a word one of the kids in class has never heard of. This is 10th grade. And the word, Miss Priest makes him spell the word, L-I-B-E-R-T-Y. L-I-B-E-R-T-Y, liberty. Didn't know what that word was. Pronounced it liberty. Had no idea what it was. We had a civics teacher, Miss Smith. She's one of those teachers you always hear about. She at one point fell down and, and she'd walk down the hall normal until she realized someone was behind her. Then she'd suddenly bend over and grab her back. And she's a horrible teacher. It was a terrible class. I'd never been in a school like this. I'd never seen discipline like this. I, I, I got up and walked out of class one day and wouldn't go back in because it was so bad. She was the free economics and, and civics teacher. She had no idea what she was doing. It's a horrible, horrible experience. I understood why my parents wanted me to go there. I, I hated almost every minute of it. Um, wound up kind of running the school. It was it was a wild situation, but I'll never forget that kid had no idea what liberty was. And the civics class was just basically like like goof-off time. The teacher didn't take it seriously. None of the kids did. And here we are in the society in the way it is today. It's not a good setup. We, we need to get better with people learning the structures of government. One more call real quick. Tom, you're going to be up next. Welcome. Hi, Eric. How are you today? I'm good. How about yourself? Good, good. Hey, I'm I'm wondering if there's going to be a bigger red wave than than what we're seeing in the polls here. And and, and the reason I say that is my wife got a call from a pollster this week, and other than saying she's going to vote, um, she just had no opinion with, with every other answer that he asked her. And after she got the phone, I asked her why, and she said because. She's worried that she's going to go on a list where the 87,000 IRS agents or yeah. the register for gun control is going to put put a line on her so that 
They come after us if anything happens. And, Look, uh, I know a I lot of people in your wife's that. situation, Tom. Um, first of all, yeah. I, I, I tend to be dismissive of the concern, though I understand why people have it. But to your point, yes. I mean, keep in mind that in Georgia, Democrats tend to have a two-point advantage, and a lot of it is your wife's situation where they're just not talking to the pollsters. You combine that growth of that, and you may be looking at four points in Georgia. But if it's four points in Georgia, think about a place like Wisconsin, where the Democrats perennially have a seven-point polling bias in their favor. So yeah, the Republicans, I think, will wind up doing better. Now, that being said, when the polls had a Republican congressional ballot, they were five points ahead, and now suddenly we're back to a tie. What you may see is a Republican wave of five points as, a, as opposed to a Republican wave of 10 points because there has been a shift there. So, yeah, they're undercounting Republicans nationwide for sure. They absolutely are. But if they are undercounting them by the same measure from three months ago when the Republicans were up five – and they're undercounting them now, and the ballot's tied. Well, you're still going to see a bigger Republican wave, just not as big as it was a few months ago. If that makes sense to you, if it's R plus five and they're not talking to Republicans, that means it's really R plus ten. If it's tied and it's R plus five, they're undercounting. That means it's it's going to be an R plus five wave. So still a wave, just not as big. Uh, and, and I tend to think then most pollsters who I trust, Republican pollsters, say that's probably the case. Republicans are absolutely being undercounted. The only state in the nation, for some reason, no one can figure out, I have a theory where Republicans actually get overcounted is Colorado. And my theory on why they get overcounted there is all the Democrats are stoners. So all those Christian Republicans out in Colorado Springs will talk to the pollsters and all the potheads who vote Democrat are, are too stoned to talk. And that's why the Republicans get overcounted in that state and undercounted in every other state. It's, it kind of is a weird phenomenon. Now, one of the other reasons Republicans are going to do well is they've got groups like Patriot Mobile coming out and helping them. Patriot Mobile gives a portion of their profits to the conservative movement. Think about this. They tried this out this past election cycle in local school board races. They picked 11 school board races around the country and got involved for conservative Republicans against woke progressives, and they won 11 out of 11. The only reason they could do that is because you have taken your cell phone company business to Patriot Mobile, and they take a portion of their profits and give it to the cause, and they're expanding. They're picking congressional candidates now. They're picking causes. They give to pro-lifers. They give to the Second Amendment movement. They give to veterans and first responders running for offices, conservatives. You help them do that. All you do is go to patriotmobile.com slash Eric. PatriotMobile.com slash E-R-I-C-K. You move your cell phone service. You can bring over your phone number or get a new phone number. Bring over an unlocked phone. Get a new phone from them. You get free activation with my name, and you get guaranteed great service because they use the same towers everybody else uses. PatriotMobile.com slash Eric or call them 972-PATRIOT. Tell them I sent you. 972-PATRIOT. Confession. Confession, I am actually doing my own show notes email this week. As I mentioned, you should be subscribing. All you got to do is text DATA to 33777. You get the link, put your email in, uh, free or paid. You get more content if you pay, but you get a lot of the stuff for free. And if you subscribe to the podcast, uh, we have now uh, put the DeSantis interview as a standalone for everyone on the podcast. So you'll get it, Spotify, Apple, whatever. Just look for the Eric Erickson Show you'll be able to get it. All right, I have been waiting to play you this great audio. My gosh. So uh, behind the scenes, you need to know, my producer despises, despises having to listen to Don Lemon. This one, though, made his day. 
Well, this is coming when, you know, there's all of this wealth and you hear about it comes as England is facing rising costs of living, a living crisis, austerity budget cuts and so on. And then you have those who are asking uh, for reparations for colonialism. And they're wondering, you know, one hundred billion dollars, twenty four billion dollars here and there, five hundred million there. Some people want to be paid back and uh, and members of the public are wondering, why are we suffering when you are? You know, you have all of this vast wealth. Those are legitimate concerns. Well, I think you're right about reparations in terms of if people want it, though, what they need to do is you always need to go back to the beginning of a supply chain. Where was the beginning of the supply chain? That was in Africa. And when that crossed the entire world, when the slavery was taking place, which was the first nation in the world that abolished sla uh, slavery? The first nation in the world to abolish it. It was started by William Wilberforce, was the British. In, in Great Britain, they abolished slavery. 2,000 naval men died on the high seas trying to stop slavery. Why? Because the African kings were rounding up their own people. They had them on cages waiting in the beaches. No one was running into Africa to get them. And I think you're totally right. If reparations need to be paid, we need to go right back to the beginning of that supply chain and say who was rounding up their own people and having them handcuffed in cages. Absolutely. That's where they should start. And maybe, I don't know, the descendants of those families where they died at the, in the high seas trying to stop the slavery, that those families should receive something too, I think, at the same time. It's an interesting discussion, Hillary. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. We'll continue to, to discuss in the future. <laughs> it's an interesting discussion, Hillary. Oh, my gosh. Don Lemon thought he didn't know what he was getting into. My goodness gracious. And by the way, everything that woman said is factual, actual, factual. Oh, more of this, please. People need to study that clip at like conservative schools where they learn how to talk to progressives on TV. Study that clip. My gosh, that was brilliant. I have laughed and laughed about Donald. Hmm, interesting.